0: Do you ever get angry on the golf course? Is the game just so frustrating sometimes you just can't keep it in anymore? And is that a good thing? Is it good for your game? Is it good for the people playing with you? Good questions. Let's get into it. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Data Access Golf podcast. My name is Aaron Stewart. I will act as your host today. Good to be here with you. I, uh, I have a hard time with, with angry people especially angry people on the golf course. And I did receive a comment from uh, a previous podcast that I sound angry. So if I sound like I'm yelling yelling at you, I apologize. I am not yelling. I am uh, apparently intense or something and come across poorly on podcasts. So we will work on it. Today I am, maybe this will help. So today I am employing a new software and a new mic. I have been using a uh, less than uh, professional Mike previously, so we'll see how this goes. Um, maybe you won't even tell and I shouldn't have said anything, but anyway, here we go. Hey, I, I remembered, I was thinking back, I've got, my oldest son is 20 now, and he is out, he's away from us, he's going to be, he's gone for another, till next uh, August. He serves as a uh, missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints out in California right now, so he's gone and we don't get to see him much. And then I have another boy who was 18, and he uh, they both were interested in golf growing up, and so I got to work with them a little bit. I did not employ some of the best techniques, teaching techniques uh, possible as a young father with my, uh, with, with my oldest, and I think that he, uh, not a, there's no thinking about it. He got turned off to the game because I handled it completely like an idiot. And I uh, corrected him, and I know that I've come out and said that you shouldn't do these things, so it's kind of like uh, don't do what I, I did, but I did learn, and I have been way better with my two younger kids as far as just letting them explore it and enjoy it and like it and see if they can learn it themselves. And, but anyway, as, as the kids got older, Canyon got into high school and started to, uh, to play a little, a, a little golf, and, and I thought that he might want to try out for the golf team. And when it came to going in and the tryouts came, which is weird, they come in the summertime, right, before school even starts. But he just decided that he wasn't interested. And I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm not going to push my kid into anything they don't want to do. I'm not that kind of a parent. Um, So, you know, when they tried piano and they hated it, I let them quit. I've got no problem with it. Played soccer for a while, decided didn't like it, quit. Our, Our middle child played lacrosse for a few years, loved it. And then one day he quit. That was kind of an interesting story. He, he's a big kid. He's a fast kid. And he played defense. And um, he was told by the coaches to start knocking these these little kids down when they came in to score. And uh, he didn't enjoy that. And the coaches were kind of yelling at him. So he went out and he knocked a kid down. Next time the kid came in to score, he knocked him down. And he got put in the penalty box for it. And the kid was down for a little while. And um, he came back out and finished the game. But his heart, I could tell his heart really wasn't in it for the rest of the game. And then afterwards, he the coaches kind of yelled at him a little bit for not being in, into it. Uh, he came off the field, and we kind of picked up all his stuff and started going to the car and got in the car and slammed the door. And he said, "Yeah, Dad, I don't want to play lacrosse anymore." And I'm like, "Dude, you can't. You know, you can't quit. You know, your teammates are. You know, your teammates are dependent on you. You're a good player. He had he had really gotten uh, quite good, quite skilled at it. And I, I was even learning the rules at that point. So that's how long he'd been playing it. And uh, he just told me, "Yeah, I don't. I don't want to hurt people." I'm like, you know what? Done. So he never played again. And I didn't make him play again. So I'm, I'm, I'm more of that parent. I don't really get wrapped up in uh, my, my value. It is not wrapped up in, in my kids and what they accomplish and what they don't accomplish. And so I don't live vicariously through my children. And thereby, I do not push them in to do uh, things that they don't want to do, uh, except homework. Homework's, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to come at you for homework. Right. I need you to learn something and gain valuable skills so you can eventually earn some money and um, and get your own place. Right. So there is that that you want to keep your kids focused and moving on. But as far as all the extracurricular things and, and, uh, you know, none of our kids play instruments. They've all tried different things. But, you know, it hasn't stuck and I'm fine with that. I don't I don't particularly mind if my child doesn't play a musical instrument. And I have absolutely no problem. I know that there's other parents that disagree with me. And, um, frankly, I don't care, and they're wrong. So there you go. But when it came to golf, getting back to getting, making the story even longer, it came to um, my middle son, Ked. When he got to freshman year, he decided he wanted to play golf. He kind of took it seriously and played a little bit more and practiced more, and he had a goal to make the golf team. So he was getting ready to go out and do it. And uh, Canyon, going into his junior year, he decided, hey, I'm going to do it too. Which, you know, sort of, sort of stole Kendrick's thunder and Canyon really wasn't playing very much and practicing very much. But a few weeks before, he wanted to come out and, and get some coaching. So we went out and took care of that and, and we tried to get his game as ready as we possibly could for, him to go, for them to go and try out. And one of, a part of that was we, were, we went out as a, a threesome and played the course where they, the qualifying would take place. And as we were playing that course, Canyon was not playing well and he got very angry super angry he hadn't been practicing he hadn't been working on his game and and Kedrick was playing a far better he was playing a, a far nicer game than Canyon was at this point and and Kedrick was Kedrick is a very calm child anyway but Kedrick's temper is always under control and he's always doing a good job sort of of, of keeping it together and so we were going about playing I think we got to the fifth or sixth hole. And Canyon missed a putt and buried his putter into the green, I'm embarrassed to say, up to the neck. I mean, it just completely disappeared. And so I, I may or may not have said some things. I did. I, I said some things and and let him know that that was unacceptable. We fixed the green and uh, to the best of our ability and and tried to repair it. And fortunately, there was not a lot of people on the course at that time, and nobody was really behind us. So we took some time and talked. But I realized... That Canyon was struggling and, and he was really upset. And because he was really upset, he wasn't playing very good golf. He had played better golf and he, he was now completely freaked out. And so there's a lot of talk. You see it a lot now. You didn't used to back in the day, but there's a lot of talk about being present, you know, being present to the shot, being present to what's going on at that particular moment. And so I took the opportunity to talk to, to Canyon about that and let him know, look, this is what we're trying to do. And the concept's so, so somewhat difficult to understand. The first person I ever heard it from was Fred Shoemaker an Extraordinary Golf. And, and again, I, I need to make sure that, that I always cite Fred Shoemaker for any insight that I have in golf. Anything that I've learned that's actually worth anything is from Fred Shoemaker. So if you ever hear something and say, oh, you know what, that Aaron's making some sense, it's Fred Shoemaker, it's not me. So let's get that out right now. And so being present was a concept that that Fred tried to share with me, and I had a hard time grasping it as well. And so now I'm in, in this place where I've got a son who's super upset, and I've got to calm him down, prepare him, because the tryout, I think the tryout started the next day. So I'm thinking, okay, I've got to get to a place where I can calm him down, And where he can play some decent golf because otherwise tomorrow is going to be, you know, a nightmare. It's going to be a disaster for him. So we began talking and we talked a few holes. And I'm trying to explain this concept of, of being present, which is essentially don't let your conscious mind play your golf game for you. Right. Be present to something that's outside of you. That's in the environment, not in what you're thinking about, what you're consciously trying to do. I mean, if you are thinking in your golf swing, I need to do this, I am going to make myself do this to swing a golf club, you're in a bad place. Mentally, you're not going to play very good golf, right? So that's why we talk about these tips and tricks and all these sorts of things that we, when we're trying to make ourselves do something, we've got a problem because the, the swing is one second long. And if we haven't sort of got things in place before then, we're not in a good place. We're not going to be able to control consciously control our golf swing, no way. It's not happening. So you want to be in a different place, and that place is not in your head, which is a phrase that uh, Gary Lester always used. And again, part of the extraordinary golf uh, group, that you want to be somewhere outside, right? So you want to be somewhere outside your being. And so I kept talking to Canyon about this and trying to get him to understand it. And he didn't didn't understand it, which I understood because I didn't get it either when I first heard it. It probably took me three years to finally grasp what was going on when we talk about being present. And then it happened. It clicked for him. We kept talking. I kept trying to do things to show him, to implement, hey, you know, think of this when you're doing this. Look for something on the ball. Um, You know, be be aware of what your shoulder's doing, anything but hanging out in your head and trying to control something. Be someplace else, anywhere else. And so as we kept playing and moving along, we were on a, a par five that kind of wraps around the water. It's short. And he hit a really good drive and we kind of kept walking up to it, talking or whatever. And then things kind of went quiet and he sat there for a moment and I, I could see him getting over the ball and getting ready to hit it. And he turned around and he looked at me And he kind of nodded, and he went back to the ball. And I'm sorry, I just turned away from the mic, so I apologize. But he went back to the ball, settled in, and striked a 5-iron onto the green. So now he's on and 2 on our par 5. He barely missed that putt, tapped it in for birdie. We walked to the next hole. He's, again, got a little smirk on his face. And he then laces a a driver down the middle of this par 4, and we start walking. And he still got a smirk on his face. And I'm like, okay, dude, what's going on? What have you got? What have you figured out? You know, let pops in on this one. And he goes, Dad, all I'm doing, all I'm doing right now is I'm not thinking about anything about the golf swing. I'm just listening to traffic. And this particular golf course is right next to I-15, so there's plenty of traffic to listen to. And so he was just focused on listening to traffic. That's it. So when he took the club back, no swing thoughts, traffic, car traffic, honking, noises, squill of the tire, whatever it is, that's what he was paying attention to. Hey, whatever it takes. But he started to realize that he needed to be outside himself. He needed to be experiencing something outside himself to play really good golf. And that's it. So whatever that has to be. Now, the bonus in all that is once he started doing that, he controlled his temper, right? Temper really comes from an inside place. When you are so freaked out about uh, being worried about hitting the next one or thinking about all the things that could possibly go wrong or a ball going in the water or whatever, all these thoughts, these negative things that are bouncing around, that's a bad place to hang out, especially as a golfer. But if you can be hanging out with everything that's outside of you, that's in the environment, that's part of what's going on about you, then you can find a pretty cool place to play golf in. And that can be a lot of different things. It can be focusing on a, a shoulder or whatever. But these, this concept of, of being present, I hear it a lot now. I, I, it's, the first time I ever heard of it was from Fred Shoemaker. I did a quick Google search, and you've got articles going back to 2002 of people talking about being present when it comes to golf. So it's been around a while. I thought it was newer than that. I was a little surprised by it. But that's the whole concept of it. You can't play golf very well from a conscious place, making yourself do stuff, you're right? Trying to think about taking the club back and doing this with the club and this with your hands and this at impact. That is a bad place to play golf because it's a second. So so stay, keep your conscious mind focused on something that's cool outside and for my son, it was traffic, which is, but it worked for him. And he played some good golf. And he did that. He visited that and was able to find something to keep him out when he played his best golf. And uh, I, I, I just thought that was a really cool thing. And as kind of a side benefit, now we, we are able to control his temper. And, uh, and he's got a bit of a fiery one, bless his heart. So that was really kind of a cool situation. I, I, don't, I hope that that helps. If you have any questions, definitely shoot me a text or an email. Uh, We can talk about it. But it's a really, really fun thing to to mess with, to work out with, to to hang out with when you're practicing and when when you're playing the game of golf, is to control your temper by not allowing yourself to get so caught up on what's going on inside and really hanging out with what's going on outside, being outside yourself. And hopefully that makes some sense. It, it's a weird concept. It does take a while to kind of grasp and get onto. And it takes a while to trust that that's okay. It, it takes a while to trust that that's an okay place, that that's a better place to play golf from than trying to control everything you know, that you have access to. So hopefully that's helpful to somebody. It definitely was helpful to me. It's been very helpful for my, my children. I think that it will be helpful really to anybody, but it does take some time to get it done. So anyway, thanks for joining us today. And uh, remember, with better data comes better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com, and we'll see you on the next episode.